What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Monday, February 17th, when you're listening to this, probably Tuesday, February 18th. And it's our 99th episode. Look at us. Congratulations, John. We almost made it to a good milestone. We should probably, for the quit. brand, quit. Yeah, I mean, that that would be the responsible decision, but we've never really been one for responsible decision-making. Do you know that we were listened to in all 50 states this year already? So at least 50 people have made a regrettable decision and done so throughout every state in our great nation. I know that only because uh, since we got on Megaphone, SB Nation brought us on here as uh, they have a bunch of really neat analytics, and I'm sure they they mean a lot to somebody. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, as a numbers guy, probably really gets you going. Well, you know, I opened it up and I was like, this is nice for somebody, not me. Uh, all right, I'm down here. Click X. Yeah. And yeah. But the good news is um, listenership is up, which means more money um, donated to the Survivor Fund. Yes, correct. We are, as noted many times, donating all of our proceeds from this podcast and the ads that go with it to uh, the Survivor Fund, we'll we'll prove it at some point too. Uh, because that would be we'll get paid. You know, it would be wow. I can't even imagine lying about that. Yeah, um. that would be downright despicable. Um, but but who's to say? Really? Um, yeah. No, we'll prove it, and uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty sweet. One thing we will not be doing is taking home more money than new Michigan State football head coach Mel Tucker. Um, since we last spoke to uh, you, our fine audience, uh, Michigan State's done a few things. We held off on recording a impulse uh, podcast last time we came to you guys. It was uh, yeah, we were upset. It's fair to say uh, that we had online. Yeah. It, aggressively online um that you know we thought bill beekman was a joke uh the fact that he had not only missed on his most obvious and infinitely attainable target uh in luke fickle but allowed michigan state to get caught flat-footed it seemed as though his choices 
uh, B and C in Mel Tucker. And Pat Narduzzi had both pulled their name out because they thought this was a done deal. It wasn't. And uh, lo and behold, you go back and offer somebody double their salary and $6 million to hire their assistant coaches, and uh, they reconsider. It's funny how that works. It's weird. Money wow. money does talk, as they say. Yes, it does. Um, here's what, here's what uh, we'll talk all about Mel in a second. Um, one thing I want to clarify, for me, this does not exonerate uh, Bill Beekman yet. Mel Tucker could be a great hire. It could maybe not be. I guess time will tell. It doesn't really you know, change the fact that it was pretty bad from an optics standpoint for a moment in time. Oh, yeah. This, this does not uh, let him off the hook by any stretch. Right. So, um, you know, Bill really needs Mel to do really overachieving things. Or I got to think Bill um, might be the end of his tenure if I, that doesn't go well. I mean, I, I would say it almost doesn't matter because, like we talked about, it's a job performance thing. It's what he allowed to happen. Like, sure, did this end up in us getting, you know, in Michigan State getting what appeared to be their second option pretty much from the jump. I mean, Mel Tucker's name was floated out there right away, even with the like, kind of in tandem with Fickles. Um, I honestly think if anything, Narduzzi's was thrown in there just by almost like lazy journalists. I'm not sure that was ever even a realistic option. So yeah, MSU clearly got their option B, but all of the other optics and things that went into it, the rumors that D'Antonio retired because he was frustrated that they hired a search firm. The fact that it was, you know, the delayed payment, all of this stuff, like it, it all, it, it still happened. The fact that it ended up here doesn't, like you said, exonerate him or make any of that go away. Now, does it make it more palatable because we ended up with, you know, a really exciting move forward, not only in the guy that we got, the fact they went out and paid for the guy that they got, but... Now all of a sudden Michigan State appears to be made of cash after crying poor, especially with a guy like Narduzzi. If you guys were, if, if you remember John, when he left to go to Pitt, part of the thing was, you know, MSU was paying him probably, you know, flirting with a million dollars, maybe a little bit north of that. But for an elite defensive coordinator, we see a guy like Brent Venables getting paid $3 million a year at Clemson. Now I'm not saying Narduzzi deserved that, but the budget could have gone up a little bit. Michigan State lost assistance like Harlan Barnett you know, to other places because they saw such sizable increases in income. And now all of a sudden MSU's got the second biggest assistant coach pool in the big 10 behind only Ohio state. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I No idea, but I have this conspiracy theory that it is a personal, like, like it feels personal against Luke fickle. And it feels slightly personal against Mark D'Antonio, where the board is like, all right, you want to turn us down? You want to retire on us impromptu? Fine. We're going to give this guy everything he can, everything we can that we never gave to you and that you turned down. It is a little odd that a guy who won championships in his tenure didn't have the salary of a guy who hasn't. But I don't know. Nick Saban, I think, when he was hired, was making in twenty twenty dollars two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year or something stupid. <laughs> you know Seriously. what? Hey, if he wants to come back for the same salary, I'm willing to let him do so. We might find a space. I might even give him a raise. 
Eh, Maybe. Don't push it. I don't want to get aggressive, but, um, but yeah, so Tucker, I mean, before we move on to the other things that have happened, I think, you know, all things considered, this is a, a home run hire in, in my opinion, sitting here today. Um, now there, there are some things just to just kind of get into his background. We'll regurgitate the stuff people already know. He, he does have a pretty imp- impressive pedigree that, you know, again, with only spent the one year at Colorado, but I remember when he was hired there, it was it was almost a coup for Colorado, a program that does not have a ton of recent success to its name. Actually, is was one in eleven, I believe, the year before he got hired, um, and he was the defensive coordinator and DBs coach at Georgia, a program that went to the national championship and consistently recruited um, with the elite of the elite during his three years there. The year before that, assistant head coach at Alabama. I mean, for, for a guy who's comes back to college football from the NFL to do that, that four year stretch of roles from 2015 to 18, being at Bama and Georgia, that says quite a bit. And for Kirby smart to when he left to Georgia from Bama, want to take you with him, I think speaks quite highly. He was one of the best recruiters in college football that entire time. I mean, if you go ahead to Colorado, he managed to get top 30 classes to Colorado or like 35 classes, two years in a row that again, a program, that, and kids from Michigan, you guys remember Jared Mangum, the running back from Cass Tech, chose Colorado over Michigan State. They got Jerry Rice's son in this last class. Like, he wasn't pulling nobodies. He got a five-star that decommitted from Alabama in Antonio Alfaro, I believe his name is. Um, he's pulling dudes to a nowhere program. And I think that alone should have Michigan State fans really, really excited. On top of that, he can sell NFL experience. He was in the NFL from 2005 to 2014 with the Jags uh, and the Bears before that. Oh, and the Browns, excuse me. Before that was with Mark D'Antonio at Ohio State. He was also obviously infamously a GA at MSU in 1997. Played football Wisconsin. Has a ton of Big Ten ties and ties to the state of Ohio, which is super, super important for Michigan State, um, as everybody well knows. So I think He's a young man, too. He's not even 50 yet. There are so many positives from a like uh, an attribute standpoint for what he's going to be able to bring to the table that I think that has to excite Michigan State fans. Yeah, I mean, Mel Tucker, you just listed off his resume. Football guy. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. He is, uh, he is the epitome of football guy. Um, and he's been some great, you know, some really great places. You know, he inherited a five and seven Colorado team, um, then turned around, went five and seven again. You know, I think I would like to jump on a lot of the criticisms that he's received for, you know, leaving them in the shadow of the night and that he will do the same to Michigan State. Look, if he does the same to Michigan State, that probably means he overachieved yep. and won some games because now the war chest is, you know, up there the only place he really would probably go is the sec at this point exactly and like and if he does he does you know that means he has revived a program because that means someone else is interested in him because he's winning right so um great you know that's a good that's a problem i I want to worry about is that he gets michigan state into a place where he might get poached um yeah i mean like you said uh, the the class of of football has nothing but good th- things to say about him. So, you know, it's, I guess it's this is the first time since man a handful of years where we've probably been excited 
Yeah. About <laughs> just even if even if the, it's we're excited about hope, you know. Yeah. You know, and that's that's something. I think um, that says a lot. I, I think that truly is. You know, I think that's what people were feeling. Kind of these last two years is is like this uh, this looming feeling of okay, this is coming to an end. Like whether when it is, how it happens, we don't know, but we can feel the steam. I mean, because listen, we know what it was like to be moving in the right direction more than most programs. I would say we talked about it before that slow build, that pushing the rock up the hill, that journey. MSU did all of it. I basically did everything but win the national championship. So pretty, which I think most programs in America, with very few exceptions, you know, would take that in a heartbeat if you told them they could accomplish the same thing. Now, you are you, you felt that kind of fading the last two years, uh, really, you could really say the last four since they made the playoff. And I think what you've got now in kind of hitting the reset button, um, and here, here's the other part of it. We don't know what it's going to look like. You know, we have no idea what this offense is going to look like. They literally hired an offensive coordinator like six minutes ago from when we're recording this, allegedly. So we haven't seen anything on the field, but the peripherals, the um, secondary stats, if you will, the optics here, are really good for Mel Tucker. I mean, it comes, like you said, dude can recruit. He's got ties in Georgia where Michigan State's done well. He's got already has ties in Detroit and Michigan, which is obviously critical for MSU. He brings a sense of energy and optimism to the program that we just haven't had in like a long time. I mean, just look back at the last recruiting class. It really tells the entire story. You lost kids to Kentucky. You lost kids to Colorado. I mean, to to to, to directional schools. You know, it... it happened it was it was all kind of falling apart to have that new story to sell and that new energy around a program that's had success at the highest level and apparently now has the money to throw around with the big boys i mean that's it's hard to come away from this not feeling optimistic about the future of michigan state football so before we get into um those assistants quick quick update on uh, mel tucker in general um thank you sarah g for the rundown here. She mentioned went to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, wears shorts, sh- likes to show off his biceps. Fan. Uh, his wife is an Illinois grad uh, who went to Rutger Law. So a lot of Big Ten going on here. It's a, a very Big Ten hire. And he has uh, two dogs, um, PJ and KJ, um, who by all appearances appear to be very good dogs. So... That is your rundown from Sarah G. Pretty good. The classic um, Sarah G rundown. That's a really well done, Sarah. Do you want to hit us with the assistance? Yeah. Uh, and what we know and maybe what we're, what we're looking to – the places we're filling out the rest of the roster. Yeah, so the first report came out that um, no assistants were going to be retained, which was kind of the first initial report after you know Tucker got started. He interviewed everybody or kind of sat down with everyone through the course of the day, and it looked like he was going to go completely fresh slate. I think he made a really wise choice in maybe either second-guessing that or uh, realizing that, hey, I need to keep some some guys around, specifically on the side of the ball that's had a ton of success. And despite reports that he was leaving for Indiana, Ron Burton, the defensive line coach, is back at Michigan State. I think that's uh, a, a home run keep for for Tucker. I mean, it, the defensive line has been the the strength of the entire defense 
since Burton came on. I mean, he and he's also a phenomenal recruiter. One of the probably the best one Michigan State had on staff. So you keep your best recruiter. You keep the guy that managed, you know, to to coach up your best unit the last several years. You keep that identity in place. Home run retention for him, especially when this guy had the chance to go elsewhere. The other guy that's sticking around is Mike Tressel. I think that is that says a lot about who Mel Tucker is, in my opinion, because Tressel could go a lot of different places. Again, was a defensive coordinator of even with a bad overall team, was defensive coordinator of a top what is it, 15 unit last year, top 20 unit last year at SP. So um really a guy who knows what he's doing. And these two dudes keep a lot of great uh, really like they keep that tradition alive. Like there's that bridge from what used to be to what now is. And the fact that it's on that side of the ball and it's guys that can, that, that already have their guys plus now can go out and recruit other and probably help get some better athletes in there that they weren't able to get before, I think is, is, is awesome. So those two retentions are, I think home runs for Michigan state. And I know people want to say, yeah, fire everybody. These two guys were not the problem with the, the position coaches. So, Thrilled to have those two back. Two more hires made today are uh, two guys coming directly from Colorado with Mel Tucker, and that is Chris Kapilovic. I might be saying that wrong. The offensive line coach and Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator. Let's start with Kapilovic because I think he's probably the more exciting hire of the two, especially for Michigan State fans who who have watched the offensive line be a problem for just the longest time. So uh, Kapilovic really is kind of a home run here. He was given opportunities this offseason at Auburn and Mizzou. Now, Mizzou, you know, hey, it's not this great football program, still in the SEC. And Auburn is at, like, that's as good a place as you can get to work. So, uh, but he decided to stay with Tucker and then ultimately uh, come to Michigan State. Surely he got a raise along with that. But he did some really impressive things in his time um, with Colorado, which was actually, you know, again, only that one season. But he was able to take them uh, from one of the worst offensive lines in the country to allowing the second fewest sacks in the Pac-12 last year after being 11th the previous year. Uh, And also, I'm trying to think, there were a couple other good stats, but that was kind of the one that jumped off the page to me. And so he's coming in as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator. So you've got somebody really dedicated to running the ball. And as we spin forward into uh, Jay Johnson, it sounds like that's going to be a huge part of the identity. And Johnson, I think everyone is rightfully a little bit, should be a little bit more skeptical of. Um, he His offenses have been kind of meh. Um, he was an offensive analyst for Kirby Smart at Georgia, which is obviously how he came over to Colorado with uh, Tucker. Um, he had previously been offensive coordinator for Minnesota once upon a time, a team that went nine and four before Tracy Clay's got fired. There was a bit of a scandal once upon a time. Um, he also was the quarterback's coach at central Michigan in 2010 under the grift God himself, Dan Enos, uh, and that, a lot of name drops. yeah. And that offense was number 17 in the country in passing offense. So, uh, it's hard to really say without watching any of Colorado's offense kind of what it's going to look like, but I'm based on what Tucker, where he comes from in Georgia, uh, 
you know, and Alabama teams that run the ball first and foremost. And then Colorado, I believe, did a similar type of thing there. And based on what Kapilovic has been able to do, kind of seems like the identity is going to be running the ball and being physical. And personally, I'm I'm here for it because that's old school Michigan State football that's going to win you a lot of games. So, um, yeah, that's that's the quick rundown. Uh, there are a couple other names out there that Michigan State is flirting with. Um, everybody knew we won't rehash the whole um, uh, Vince Morrow uh, thing, but MSU was after a big elephant hunter for coming from Kentucky. Uh, he ended up getting a huge raise from UK to stay there. Um, but MSG was now currently after another Kentucky uh, coordinator, a DB coach in Steve Klinkscale. Now, he is currently the DB coach at UK and is another, as you call it, uh, whale hunter, one of the higher rated recruiters in um, the country and is able to, to – he has a – actually, he has the Detroit um, really connections for UK. And if you know – if you follow recruiting, you know they were able to pull a top 10 kid in the country, Justin Rogers, an offensive lineman from – I believe it was Cast Tech or one of the Detroit schools – and uh, so he's got a ton of inroads and would be a really big hire for MSU. For that's another name to keep an eye on. And finally, John, I will let you speak. I apologize. Uh, Harlan Barnett. That's a really interesting one as well. Uh, now, how he would get back, what he would be if he came to Michigan State, not really sure. But he was at the Michigan State-Maryland game, which unfortunately we will speak about in a, in a bit here. Um, sitting with Burton and Trestle decked out in MSU gear. So, uh, again, that would be a really fun way way for – and really, honestly, a really smart way for Tucker to bridge the gap between old and new. Um, so, yeah, he's starting to build out this staff. Obviously, a lot of positions still to go, but you, you're kind of getting the idea of, of the way he's going to approach uh, his brand of football here moving forward. So another name, and this hasn't been circulated for any reason – beyond what I want to happen <laughs> is to bridge the gap between old and new would definitely take a hard look at Darian Harris. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a guy who can make, give you a sense of can, you know, continuity to from he had one, you know, he's seen in one big things and is young enough to um, connect with a group of kids that maybe are feeling like, in the middle here, right? They didn't sign up to play for Mel Tucker. Um, so you, you're looking for, it's so smart to keep on uh, Trestle because, and, and Burton, because at least there are some faces you recognize and, and, you know, maybe you didn't sign, you signed up to play with those guys too. So it's really smart to keep them on. I want to talk really quickly about Jay Johnson. And this is from um, actually Colorado's, uh, SB Nation site, the Ralphie Report. Um, you might cringe at the beginning of this, but the end, it gets a little better. <laughs> Advanced stats do not like Jay Johnson's ball control offense. His resume does not look great when you look at SMP or other efficiency metrics. Consistently, though, through the eye test, simple stats, and advanced stats, he has shown an ability to finish drives at an elite level. Once he can get inside the opponent's 40-yard line, the drives almost always end in points, which is refreshing after the year that Buff fans have endured in the past. So, um, Austin, you and I talked about this. <laughs> let's let's consider co-offensive coordinators. Jay can take over once inside the forty, and um, you know, 
that was never Dave's problem. Yeah. You know, getting Ugh. getting to the inside, you, you know, striking distance. Here's the question. Do you do tri coordinators where you let Dave Brad Salem handled between the 30s, call it, and yes. then the new guy, Jay Johnson, handled the red zone. So, like, if you get sacked, if the ball's at the 28 and you get sacked back outside of the 30, you pass the sticks back to Dan and Brad and let them cook something up to get those two yards back, in which turn they then uh, hand the controller back to Jay Johnson once the ball is in the the extended red zone. Absolutely. You know, you don't want to, you want to play to people's strengths here. That's right. You know? Got to pass, and, and if we have to do a team effort, I'm I'm here for it. We gotta we gotta try new things, people. Listen, it, okay? it's a new age. We need we need some creative uh, thinking here on the offensive staff. And I mean, who knows? I, I, listen, I we've said it last year. If the and and I think the only flaw in this, well, actually, let's just look at it this way. Kind of level set for the 2020 season, despite. All of this positivity, which there is plenty of it and for a good reason. We don't really know what the on-field product is going to look like. We make some deductions like we have so far, but kind of no matter what, unless something drastic happens, this team is still looking anywhere from six and six to eight and four. Uh, And honestly, if Mel Tucker could come in and win eight games with the schedule that Michigan State has, build the statue. Build the statue. And you know what? He's going to get hired by like Auburn or somebody like that right away afterwards. That's not actually going to happen. But uh, if he wins more than six or seven games, it is, a, it is a massive win for Michigan State. Their schedule is brutal. The defense is basically gutted from last year. You don't know who your quarterback is. Again, a lot of questions uh, to, be, to be answered uh, kind of moving forward. Yeah, this fall could get ugly, um, but we were not there yet. Oh, we, you know what, though? Mel did reel in his first recruit, Jordan Simmons. True. Three-star running back from Georgia. Yes, uh, Jordan Simmons, who people probably remember from uh, not committing <laughs> on right. signing day. Right. Um, he did not sign his letter of intent because he was obviously and justifiably uh, surprised by Mark D'Antonio's retirement. And didn't want to necessarily, he wanted to know MSU's coach was going to be before he signed with him. So love to see that, um, you know, he still wants to come to MSU. He was one of MSU's better recruits and honestly at a position of, of need moving forward with the, the guys who have, um, you know, transferred in Ladarius Jefferson and Connor Hayward. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, we don't know what the product on the field is going to look like. Hopefully Jordan Simmons is involved in it somehow. But um, I think, to frame this moving forward, like we can go into this season now and seven and five or six and six is exciting and kind of feels like the beginning of something rather than the limping to the barn end of things. And I think that from a recruiting standpoint, from a everything standpoint um, is really positive. And what I wanted to say that I forgot was that last year we talked about the defense was so good all we needed the offense to do was get somewhere in the seventies of, you know, overall ranking or S and P to be uh, a competitive team that could have won nine or 10 games. I think that paradigm shifts a little bit, but is still mostly true. And I think you're going to get somewhere in there. Like if Kapilovic is actually what he's cracked up to be, MSU does have a lot of returning 
offensive line players and a lot of young guys that are have already have a lot of experience. So that's great. But Jay Johnson's going to run that kind of conservative, boring offense. But I think it's still going to prove to be fairly effective just if, if you're following the trend. So if you can get that defense up a little bit too, and I think that's where the familiarity is really positive with Tressel and Burton coming back, maybe HB. Um, you, you know, this team might surprise and win seven or eight games. I guess it's it's kind well, of – you creeping up there. No, I'm just saying, like, it it's possible. All right, you can at least lay the foundation for something that when the bodies are there defensively, you're looking at a team that's kind of right back to where we were pretty consistently. When the schedule is a little more kind and things are a little bit more in place, this year you're kind of using it to put the guardrails in and just build positive momentum moving forward. Austin, I am asking you – and I'm asking you, dear listener, to hold me accountable to being satisfied with six and six. Yep. What I can't have happen is me fly off the rails and and start to get upset about six and six. That's just where that needs to be. John. Okay. For your zero. Absolutely. As we have learned with this basketball season. And as we make our transition here, expectations are an extremely dangerous thing because they can make you think you enjoy something and then realize, oh, no, I don't enjoy this at all. Things are bad as they always have been and always will be. Um, Yeah. So that brings us to basketball, I suppose. So last week, ups and downs, um, a 70 to 69 win at spiraling Illinois um, called that one, didn't we? Hmm. Maybe. Uh, and um, got up by 20 in this one. Great start out of the gate. Um, it was the rocket Watts game. He showed up at over I think 21 points. Um, it was an incredible finish. We've learned a lot about the team simply cannot function without Cassius Winston uh, and I actually laughed out loud. Cassius Winston in foul trouble, um, had his third foul, subbed into the game, probably like 10 seconds later, got his fourth foul. He basically like essentially walked out of the court, whistle, and walked right back to his seat. And it's like, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um, things are bad when he's not playing to the point where I was like, just play him. I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so tough. 16 turnovers to 10 assists. Um, Foster, not a, not a tape you want to go back and look at. Um, MSU did have the advantage of Kofi Coburn, just who probably went, will, might win freshman of the year in the conference. Yeah. Just as completely, uh, he he did he can't figure out uh, Michigan State. Um, he no showed, and um, that was I was shocked to see that after him being uh, figured out in game one. Thought they would he would counter, um, but another weird thing: Illinois hit sixteen straight free throws, I believe, in the second half, which was probably the most infuriating thing of all time. Uh, MSU, meanwhile, went 7 of 14 with Cash missing two, which has, like, never happened. Um, and then it was a really insane finish that, obviously, you all remember. Cassius Winston uh, attracts every single person uh, on the court to him. He throws it off the glass. 
um, says it wasn't a pass. Kind of feel like it wasn't not a pass, considering the same thing happened uh, in the Indiana game, except for it just didn't convert. Um, this one going off the glass made it easier for Xavier Tillman to handle. He slams it home. Um, Ayo Desumu, uh, future NBA star, dribbles down the court. And you're just kind of waiting for him to pull up and he's made so many clutch shots and his knee gave out and it looked really, really bad. Really Thank bad. goodness it, it appears um, it was nothing more than a strain and and should be uh, back this year. One thing I think that got me really excited is after the game, Brad Underwood said in his presser that it was the loudest he's ever heard um, that, that arena since he's been there. And, um, you know, their 20-point comeback. And Michigan State still won that game. And I thought, stupidly, that this was maybe a turning point for the season. You know, John, moments happen. John, I'm going to stop and, you right there. Yeah. It wasn't. Narrator, it wasn't. It, wasn't. it was not. Um, because we go into Saturday and have every reason to win the game. College game day honoring the 2000 national championship team night game sick jerseys sick jerseys winnable game played well like bad start but played well fought back got up by seven even and it it was like kind of reminded me do you remember um the duke maryland game jay williams scored like nine points in a minute yep and, and Duke beat Maryland, and everyone was like, wait, what just happened? That's kind of how I felt when Maryland finished on their 16-2 to run to end the game, and I was like, wait, there's no way that could have just happened. Every single bad thing that could have happened just happened. Right. Um, I mean, and, and, and to just to jump in, um, I, I – I just can't do it with this team anymore. Like they have found at some point you just are what you are. And right now that is a team that can just not put together a complete game to almost should have blown a 20 point lead earlier in the week and to come back and work so hard to get up and then just choke in such absurd fashion um i think this is the one where you're like you just you can't trust this michigan state team like moving forward you you cannot you can't trust them because they have the moment in them at all times you have the moment where everything falls apart it's in them it will happen at some point in every game and i'm not you know i don't think we're sitting here looking for perfection because that's ridiculous you're never going to get that but it, one game, it's they get off to a slow start. The next game, it's they give up a huge run in the second half. The following game, it's they are playing really well and they get in control. They're up seven with like three minutes left and then just completely and totally fall apart. It all points back to me to the fact that they are not, at this point, a mentally tough team. They let moments get the better of them and they don't execute when when the time is needed. Uh, and that even goes for Illinois. Like, the yes... You know, Tillman had a huge putback dunk to to ice that one, or not even to ice it, but to put them up with very little time left. But if we're being real, 
what really happened on that play was Cassius just throwing the ball off the backboard and no offense being run whatsoever. He got lucky that Tillman was there to clean up his mess. And then you fast forward and this team is up and did such a good job of pushing back to get up seven late and just choked, like just absolutely unquestionably choked. I was there. I was at the point where I was getting ready to take the meeting again, getting ready to listen, going to let him. I had heard the pitch before and I was like, you know what? They're not, the product isn't where it needs to be. I was getting ready to, to listen again on the product. And then they just flushed it down the toilet. And like, at this point, I look at this team and I've said it and I tweeted it. They don't do anything well. They don't do anything well. They rebounded the ball really well in the second half of this game. They got out rebounded by almost, I think, by 10 in the first half. They don't do anything. They can't, still can't shoot. Uh, they basically have two guys who can create in Cassius and now becoming Rocket. But the wings are bad. And I think it it you, this is the type of team where unless one of these wings finds something here down the stretch, they have what, four games left in the Big Ten? Four or five games left? Like five. Five games left. You just are what you are at this point in the season. Now, could they get really hot and prove me wrong and do something great? Of course. But at this point, I, it's hard to get terribly excited about what the future could, could hold. And I think I saw one thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and this might just be an old man yelling at a tree moment, but Aaron Henry went on Instagram and put on his story right after the game something about, like, the 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 haters, uh, like, keep that same energy. I don't want you hopping on the bandwagon after it's all well and done. It's like, you know what? I get that. I, I get that you don't want to hear all these things. But to come off like you deserve more after the display that's been put on the last five games and the games that they've managed to, I mean, they blew a two game lead in the conference and now they're three games back. Like you're one in four in your last five and you've lost extremely winnable games. And the one game you won, you almost should have honestly blown a 20 point lead. Like at this point in time, you deserve no benefit of the doubt. What happened last year is long gone. You don't have those same guys who it's proving were massive, massive parts of, of the identity. And uh, you just kind of are what you are. And right now, that's that's not a team that does anything well consistently. Again, could that change? Yeah. But Aaron, I just would stay off social media if I were you. I know you got rid of Twitter. Might want to get rid of Instagram too because – you don't deserve the the love that you got before the season. We talk about it all the time. Expectations are dangerous. I think that goes not only for fans, but for, for uh, you know, teams themselves too. So, um, yeah, at this point, it, it gets hard to be terribly optimistic. Uh, I'm just going to try to enjoy – this is a really dark turn, but I'm just going to try to enjoy the last fan full of games that we have from Cash Winston. Well, you know, perhaps – you know, all they all they have now are kind of themselves, meaning the country kind of gave up on this team a while ago. Um, Michigan State fans didn't. Um, some, and then now at this point, even even those of us who have made you know tried to find the reasons and the excuses, made excuses for them, like myself. Um, you know, I I I can't. I have a hard time doing it anymore. So really, you know, it is just them in the locker room at this point. And maybe, you know, they do need the world against them to find whatever that energy they need to, 
to to be who maybe they potentially could become um but yeah they they at this point i think jay billis who i was on the call said it really well he said this team is just cassius cassius winston and xavier tillman yep. like and a, and a bunch of guys and he was not wrong like there are te- definitely technically three other guys out there with them and you know and no, not one of them has really found the thing that they do really well, their role on the court. Um, yeah. And, and everyone I, just kind of stares at Xavier and, and Cassius and ball watches and hopes that they can keep keep the train running. But it's it's not – I don't know. I think what you – know, it's funny because the, the, the drum that Michigan State fans, ourselves included, have been banging for a long time is, well, they'll figure it out. They always figure it out. You all, It comes to February. We said it a couple of weeks ago when they lost like two out of three. It's like, well, if you look back at last year, they did the same thing. They're kind of notorious for this, blah, 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 blah. This is different. This is not that case because what happens in those situations, Last, just go back to just last year. You get Matt McQuaid stepping up. You get Kenny Goins becoming a consistent, solid contributor. Uh, go back further. You get Adrian Payne becoming a really, really good player. You go back. You get Cassius Winston emerging as a sophomore. Like, mid-season, somebody kind of tends to round into form. Now, I think Michigan State has had that in Rocket Watts probably is, is I guess, the closest thing to that right now. But realistically, what they've needed is someone on the wing. If you came into this year, you know, we agreed that I think they deserve to be number one coming into this year based on everything that was on paper. But you also had some stuff built into that where you were thinking, all right, Aaron Henry just came off of this great run where he was an integral part of a Final Four team. He is going to take another step. That has simply just not happened. Gabe Brown played a big role. He's going to be a consistent, decent outside shooter. I think he's shooting under 30% from three. Like nothing is moved. Marcus Bingham is going to be able to help out. He hasn't been able to do anything consistently. It's, It's not that there isn't individual talent because all of that same talent that we thought was there at the beginning of the year is still there. It's just that there is no modicum of consistency whatsoever across this entire team. And I think that's really the frustrating part is when you think about maturity and you think about what teams are supposed to do as a year progresses, it's grow and become ready for these moments. And we are just seeing a team that is not only not ready for them, but has not. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Pushed forward and grown and is not ready for, for, for this yet. So um, I think, like you said, it's a lot of reliance on a, a guy in Cassius Winston who is an all-time great, who I think everyone will remember very, very positively, but it's him, Tillman, who honestly hasn't even been overly consistent. Still having a great year, but you know, not. he still has his moments where he costs you games. That's happened a few times this year. And uh, you know, that's just kind of who you are at this point. Now, whether they can turn that around moving forward, 
it's a big if. Uh, looking forward to this week as we kind of jump in. Um, you know, they have probably the last must-win game on their schedule because I think the natural next question is, well, you know, what does this mean for for the tournament? Is Michigan State, what seed are they going to get, blah, blah, blah. They're sitting on about the sixth line right now. But I think if you lose on the 20th of this week, which is Thursday, to Nebraska, the conversation about you missing the tournament gets very, very real. Yeah, I think we talked about it. The only must-win game on the schedule is whenever you're playing a quad three or a quad four. Not even must-win, it's a can't-lose. Uh, those that makes things get really hairy. Um, Nebraska is not a good team. They believe they're on a, let's see, 10-game losing streak. Last win was January 7th at home against Iowa, um, which don't ask me how that happened. Um, they're, they're expectedly bad in year zero of Fred Hoiberg. Um, they have one player I think that is really worth a damn in, in point guard Cam Mack. Uh, but beyond that, it is a mis- mishmash of certainly people. You know, basketball players don't know about that, but, um, you know, they go eight deep. Um, they're not particularly big. Their biggest guy is 6'9, um, and he's, it's Yvonne Ordragu who is not great, um, a freshman. And then they have uh, Matej Kavas, who is a C6-8 senior. Again, not great. Um, they have one shooter um, who <laughs> I don't know why I'm being stuck reading these names, but yep. I'm no good at it. <laughs> Thor, Thor Bjarnason, yes, um, <laughs> who's shooting a 43% clip from three, um, the only – the only guy with, with real marksmanship, you know, to, to Nebraska's credit, you know, we clown them a lot, but for both sports, but for a program that has no business giving a shit about basketball <laughs> and frankly, with the product that they put out on the court this year, they still bring it for home games. I guess that is a, you know, a result of there being literally nothing to do in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be an easy game. Or, you know, Michigan State will be favored by probably 10 or 11 points um, before the lines are set. But, like, do you trust Michigan State to win by 10 or 11? No, nor should you. I mean, that that's – and that's where we're at. Like, the level of trust for an MSU team is, is in my opinion, at an, a season low at this point. Um, yeah. It's just hard to say because it's the consistency thing. Like, I don't know what team's going to come out here. Is it going to be a team that's so depressed that they just blew this, what should have been a springboard game? Like, if they beat Maryland the way that they should have beaten Maryland by eight to 10, we're sitting here being like, all right, we're at least listening again. Go beat Nebraska, go beat Iowa, and then we'll figure something out. But now it's like, you know, uh, well, 
it's almost like a what are we playing for? I mean, the obvious the answer is obvious. Like they're they're obviously playing for seeding and for pride and all that stuff. But is this team mentally tough enough to take it upon themselves to be like, you know what, f you, we're gonna figure this thing out. We're gonna prove everybody wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know, and I don't have confidence that that's necessarily going to happen. So I think that's that's the hard part for me personally. Okay, but here here here's here's how I see this. The rest of the season playing out they're going to win a couple they're going to win the games they should and probably lose the games that you'd expect them to okay going to go to come to or go to the uh, big 10 tournament i think it's in indianapolis yep um who knows what happens there right it's all about draw and frankly my my pick for that no matter what the seating is probably iowa just because just points. seems like they would yeah, well, it's just like, you know, whatever. And then MSU probably, like you said, falls at that six seed. But that six seed feels like really dangerous. And like, do I have any reason to trust that they could win that first game? Probably not. Do I have any reason to believe that they can't win four in a row and go to the final four again? Why not? You know, like. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is going to be. Like finding out is the Big Ten like does this schedule that they played, which is a really tough schedule, is getting out of that all they need? You know what I mean? Like is just seeing new faces and and playing against teams that might not know their weaknesses as well really what they need, or are they going to just be who they are and you know let some lower seated team get out to some hot start and then not be, either claw back and win or not be able to to make the comeback which is it feels like that's the scenario that plays out one way or well, the other and austin here's what i want to see msu has won two games where where the final was in doubt and they've lost seven <laughs> where the final was in doubt when i say that i mean going into the final tv timeout you felt like either team could win. Um, seven losses, two wins. The two wins being the Illinois um, tip dunk and then go all the way back to the Seton Hall game. Yep. So you'd like to see Michigan State at least taste winning a coin flip game. Yep. Because that's all March is, is coin flip games. And do is your team mentally tough enough to win those games? I don't know. Gabe Brown was benched for Kyle Arns. Right. Was he was he sick? You know, who knows? But um, yeah, this is a big week. It's a must-win Thursday, and um, you know, I you're right though. Let's do enjoy Cassius Winston. He is now um, 18th all time in assists with 856. Um, incredible stuff. And another quick update for you. Uh, Xavier Tillman up to tied for second for MSU all-time blocks, tied with Nick Ward and trailing Matt Costello by three. Uh, this past game, he passed Brandon Dawson and Adrian Payne. That's pretty impressive. I mean, listen, I ragged on Tillman a minute ago, but he has uh, he's also a, a second-time father, so congratulations to oh, Xavier. Yeah. Xavier, too, I believe. Young yeah, Xavier I believe Jr. So, so um you know, if Tom doesn't offer him right now, we're already behind. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Here's one thing, and I, I kind of joked about it, but and I know he hasn't been the problem, but if Xavier Tillman gets the Fred Van Vliet 
like had a baby <laughs> now succeed like now is playing out of his mind bug maybe it's a different story for Michigan State if he starts shooting 40 percent from three because he's a, a second time father you know maybe that maybe that's a turnaround they needed so um he's also and again like this season has been so difficult for Michigan State. They have undergone. I mean, if you just think about mentally what they've had to go through, maybe I'm completely wrong because you lost. I mean, just think about it from the beginning. And I know we've talked about this, but you lost Josh Langford unexpectedly after you after you expected to have him back. Cassius Winston obviously goes through everything he went through. Joey Hauser's application gets denied, and you're dealing with Xavier Tillman. Uh, you know getting ready to have his second child like of all of that that is that is so much for any person of any age let alone a team of 18 to 21 year olds yeah like as much as we rag on them and i think they are on the court maybe mentally weak in life they have gone through more in this span of months than most people have gone through you know in in maybe their entire lives like it's it's crazy um well they're just putting their mental (laughs) they're placing it elsewhere where it's needed more 100 percent. and and i hope that now you know there is that other part of it too where it's like cassius is coming up on his last games like maybe this is all he like maybe that's what he needed to turn that corner and be like guys we need to figure something out because i've got you know at most what six to like 12 15 games something like that left like ever best 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 case scenario seven guaranteed to go yeah i mean that's that's crazy to even think about but you know hopefully that seeing the end of the line kind of gets them into gear and and maybe spurns them on same for kyle arns i mean like if arns is ready to take more minutes at this point he needs to get them so you know Nebraska is a must, must win. Iowa is certainly very close to that. It's a good team. They, you know, we'll talk about them really quickly here. They number 20 in the country right now. They've got the probable favorite for big time player of the year in Luca Garza, who's averaging basically 24 and 10 and shooting nearly 40% from three. They've also got two other guys scoring in double digits in Joe Wieskamp and CJ Frederick. Again, two really good shooters. Wieskamp shooting 38%. Frederick shooting 46% from three. I mean, some some really good good players here. Uh, Wieskamp also averages 15 and, and six rebounds a game. Um, it's a good team that can score a lot. They average almost 80 points a game. They're not a good defensive team. So Michigan State should be able to do, you know, at least keep up. But, you know, that would be a win where, again, I'm not really taking the meeting anymore after that one. I've still got a couple more things I personally need to see before I'm, I'm sitting down for the pitch. But um i'm at least you know you're piquing my interest to to some degree maybe you're maybe you're frisky and by the way i don't know what's going on with espn's matchup predictor but i'm looking at it right now and they say michigan state has an 80 percent chance to win this game just what world is that possible in let's just i'll take a breath yeah i can't do this right now sorry we'll stop but MSU does have, you know, they've got chances <laughs> after Nebraska. The last four games are against ranked teams. You got a chance to write the ship here, but uh, you, it's it's time to get to getting because uh, time is running out here. Well, um, we'll be through it no matter what. Yep. Um, I'm going to give a quick shout out um, for any Chicago Spartans. Sparty Ball is on February 29th. Uh, guaranteed rate field some big name special guests josh butler and coach d'antonio um so i believe most of that is a fundraiser probably is a fundraiser i'm sorry i didn't 
do the research. Um, but it's a can't miss event, as we've been told on Twitter. So please feel free uh, to to uh, donate sh- or show up or both. Yeah, definitely do it. It'll be a good time. A lot of proud Spartans in Chicago. Guaranteed rate field seems like as long as it's not on the field, it seems like a cool place for an event. I'm hoping they rented out some type of ballroom space or something. but um, Or it'll be really cold and we'll be on a baseball field and it'll just be a fun story. So uh, <laughs> either way. If you're there, check it out. Um, All right, guys, we're going to cut it a little bit short here this time, but glad we got to catch up. It's been real, as always. Um, We'll come to you guys next week with some more football updates and, you know, maybe a a basketball win. Who knows? Let's not go crazy, but maybe. Uh, All right, guys, so for John, this has been Austin, and we will catch you guys next week. All right, see you. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.